Hi, friends. I'm Tierney. And I'm Shelby. And we're Dead Dead Drunk. Drunk. Centuries ago, groups of Christians and other organized religions shared a strong belief that the devil gave witches magical powers to harm other people in return for their service to him. This belief instilled such a strong fear in the religious groups that they began hunting down anyone they believed to be a witch and killing them. Between the 1300s and the end of the 1600s, tens of thousands of alleged witches, mostly women, were executed in Europe. Although the craze was winding down in Europe in 1692, the village of Salem in the Massachusetts Bay Colony was just starting their witch hunt. I wish you guys could see me right now because um, I accidentally chopped a jalapeno pepper and then touched my eye and just, I just, I look crazy. My eyes burning. It's a fun time. Honestly, thank God you guys can't see me. (laughs) You guys would unsubscribe immediately. But hey. I was going to say, that's weird. I am really happy nobody can see me because I don't know what day it is and what month and what week. I just so (laughs) tired. All the time. Oh my god, I know. <laughs> I know. I don't know why. I don't know what's oh. going on. It's mer- You said Mercury's in retrograde, right? Oh, yeah. And Mercury is in retrograde until November 3rd. Oh, love that. Yeah. So, <laughs> buckle up. <laughs> buckle up for election day. I was talking, I'm sure that you all noticed that we had technical difficulties last week, and I was talking to someone at work about it, and they just said, you should just not podcast. For the entire of T <laughs> of Mercury retrograde, just give it up. Oh my God! Imagine, <laughs> sorry guys, we're taking a break because Mercury, <laughs> because Mercury is a little bitch and it hates technology. It does though. If things are being weird with technology or you're miscommunicating a lot in your emails, it's Mercury. So yep, <laughs> that's what it is. <laughs> so speaking of powerful stuff, we're talking about witches today. Yeah, dude. Witchy women. Because although I keep forgetting what month it is, it is the best month. It is October. <laughs> yeah. And Halloween's or, coming. As I would would say, well, I was like 12 and made this joke and thought it was so funny. It's October because it's getting cold outside. <laughs> Guys, please keep listening. <laughs> I promise. It's not that bad. That's like me the other night. The other day, I was so hungover, but I thought I was so funny when <laughs> Katie was like, what happened to you? And I was like, I forgot to check myself. And so I wrecked myself. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. That just came out of me. Like, I didn't even have a thought about it. I was like, yeah, that's uh. what happened. Like, that's exactly what happened. And then I thought <laughs> it was the funniest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> I mean, that was pretty funny. Thank you. For sure. Thank you. So be aware, you can get older and still not know what you're doing. So anyway, first order of business is to remind you that Saturday is our fundraiser benefiting Nicole Adamondo and her defense committee and all her legal fees. Her appeal has been filed, but there's still all the process and stuff and the potential to go back to court. I mean, we hope that she doesn't have to and maybe she can reach some kind of plea agreement, but 
either way, we're going to raise some funds to help her get through this and hopefully get a lighter sentence or get out and back to her children. And that'll be Saturday, October 24th at 4 p.m. on Instagram Live. We're going to be doing scary stories and Katie's going to share some drink recipes with you. And we're doing raffles. You can win awesome stuff from Drifting Souls. Any donation of $30 or more, Tierney will make you a t-shirt. So Yes, I will. She's getting really good at it. Oh my <laughs> gosh, I love I love my cricket. That's all I have to say. So do you have a Shit's Creek design in mind? She can make it. <laughs> oh yeah, I got stickers. I got... <laughs> if it's Shit's Creek, I'll make it. I'll put it on something. <laughs> Let me know. But not anything else. No, like... <laughs> No, just I just shit's creek. That's it. <laughs> imagine. <laughs> it's actually like not that crazy. <laughs> it's <laughs> like not crazy. Imagine. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, okay. <laughs> it just somewhat comes out of nowhere. <laughs> oh my god, I'm so tired, dude. <laughs> so, should we talk about our drink? <laughs> yeah, probably. That's what the people came for, right? <laughs> I mean, I hope they came for a little bit more, but <laughs> Just in case you just came for the drink, let's get to it so that you can get on your way. <laughs> so our drink this week comes from Bar Notes, and it's pretty much the perfect spooky cocktail, especially for this case. What you're going to do is first add half or one teaspoon of powdered dry ice to the bottom of a martini glass. Or again, whatever glass you want, but martini looks coolest. Then combine 1.5 ounces of chilled apple brandy or apple vodka, your choice, and three ounces of blackberry shimmering liqueur. I've never seen shimmering liqueur, so... but it, it That sounds awesome. Right? It makes this drink look awesome. Yeah. In a cocktail... Sh- you put that all in a cocktail shaker with some ice and then shake it up and strain it into a martini glass and top with more shimmery liqueur as needed, I guess, to your desired shimmeriness. And then pour one teaspoon of grenadine about an inch above the surface of the drink. And the grenadine will sink to the bottom of the glass like a, and create a bleeding effect in the drink. And then you add another half a teaspoon of powdered dry ice to the top and garnish with a strawberry and blackberry skewer. And that's how you make the witch's heart cocktail. I enjoy that. I know. I'm very excited I, about can that. Can you make it for me? Can you come make it for me now? <laughs> I think that Katie can definitely make it on Saturday. I actually think it's purple, so it might work perfectly. <laughs> okay. Oh, my God. Yay. <laughs> I want to drink that. So now that you've got your cocktail, are you ready for the case? Drink up, dead drunkies. So in 1689, King William of England started a war with France in the American colonies. This was known as King William's War because, you know, it was his. And it ravaged through regions of upstate New York, Nova Scotia, and Quebec, which sent refugees into the county of Essex and specifically Salem Village. That's This is not what we currently know as Salem. Salem Village was actually located in present-day Danvers, and colonial Salem Town became modern-day Salem. But Salem Village is where we're focusing today. The refugees put a strain on Salem's resources and aggravated the existing rivalry between the families that had ties to the wealth of the port and those who depended on agriculture. At this time, Salem Village also ordained their first minister, Reverend Samuel Paris, which just caused more controversy as he was disliked for his strictness and greed. Despite all of these contributing factors, the Puritan villagers believed that all of the fighting and controversy was really just the work of the devil. 
because that's easier to believe. Now, some of the names that I'm going to talk to you about are going to sound familiar because I'm assuming that you've read The Crucible. So (laughs) now with that out of the way, in January of 1692, Reverend Paris's nine-year-old daughter, Elizabeth, and his 11-year-old niece, Abigail Williams, started having fits. According to Smithsonian Magazine, quote, they screamed, threw things, uttered peculiar sound, ugh, uttered peculiar sounds, and contorted themselves into strange positions. And a local doctor blamed the supernatural because if you don't know what it is, it must be the devil. Soon after, another girl, 11-year-old Anne Putnam, started exhibiting similar symptoms. In reality, these symptoms sound more like clinical hysteria, which just means they were exhibiting em- emotionally charged behavior that seems excessive or out of control. Which honestly sounds normal and fine for girls of that age that have nothing to do. So, which I'm assuming they don't have anything to do. Just because. Um, (laughs) Still, the magistrates of the village, Jonathan Corwin and John Haythorne, believed that the cause of the girls' behavior was supernatural and they needed to find out who did this to them. On February 29th, the girls caved under the pressure from their questioning and put the blame on three local women. Tituba, the Paris's Caribbean slave, Sarah Good, a homeless beggar, and Sarah Osborne, a poor elderly woman, all of whom I all of whom I think were mentioned in the crucible. The very next day, all three women were brought before the magistrates and interrogated for several days. Osborne and Good claimed innocence from the start, but Tituba confessed that the devil came and asked her to serve him. According to Smithsonian Magazine, quote, she described elaborate images of black dogs, red cats, yellow birds, and a black man who wanted her to sign his book. She admitted that she signed the book and said there were several other witches looking to destroy the Puritans. After hearing her testimony, all three women were put in jail. No! No! Yep, doesn't matter. (laughs) And now the village was overwhelmed by paranoia because who were the other witches who were looking to destroy the Puritans, right? Yeah, I can understand that. So accusations started to fly over the next few months. Charges were brought against Martha Corey and a loyal member of the church in Salem Village, which just added to the community's concern and paranoia. If it turned out that she was a witch, then anyone could be, right? I mean, (laughs) no, but yeah. (laughs) I mean, logically, does it make sense? No. (laughs) But in their minds, it made sense. And this is how insane it was. They even questioned Sarah Good's four-year-old daughter, Dorothy. Stop. They ended up considering her nervous, shy answers as a confession. She's four. Yes. I have I have four year olds that can't even I I speak in a full sentence. Right. So even if she was a witch, what is she gonna do? She's four. <laughs> so when Martha Corey was arrested on March nineteenth, sixteen ninety two, her husband Giles believed the accusations. Giles was so caught up in the hysteria of the witch hunt that he agreed with their decision to arrest his loving wife. Until he was arrested on the same charge on April 18th, along with Mary Warren, Abigail Hobbs, and Bridget Bishop. So they're just arresting everybody. 
Yeah. And everybody's... For, for literally nothing. Everybody's into it until it turns around on them. Right. Yeah. So the next day, they were all questioned by the magistrates. And during her questioning, Abigail Hobbs accused Giles Corey of being a wizard, which he completely denied. After pleading not guilty, Giles was sentenced to prison. And we'll get back to him in a little bit. (laughs) I'll miss you, buddy. In April, the hearings got pretty serious. Deputy Governor Thomas Danforth and his assistants were now in attendance. So, a lot of the bigwigs are getting involved. They watched as dozens of people were brought in from Salem and surrounding villages in Massachusetts for questioning. On May 27, 1692, Governor William Phipps established the Special Court of Oyer and the Terminer, which oversees the hearings and then decides on the cases for Suffolk, Essex, and Middlesex counties. That's the long name. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. It's just some fancy weird name. Middlesex is kind of a funny name. <laughs> I think the county's still called Middlesex County in Massachusetts. Yeah, probably. Bridget Bishop was the first one brought before the special court. Bishop was an older woman who was known around town for her gossiping habit and promiscuity. So, pretty cool bitch. Me! <laughs> the court asked her if she had committed witchcraft in any way, and she replied... I am as innocent as the child unborn. Still, her defense wasn't convincing enough, and she was found guilty. On June 10th, (laughs) Bridget Bishop became the first woman hanged for witchcraft on what was later called Gallows Hill. I feel bad that I laughed. No, it's okay. I mean, she had such a badass answer there. And honestly, everybody is innocent at these hearings. Everyone is completely innocent. So it doesn't matter what they say. But that was a pretty badass answer. (laughs) Yeah. And her defense was probably just her going, I'm not a witch. I'm not a witch. I'm not a witch. So (laughs) five days after the hanging of Bridget Bishop, the court received a letter from the respected minister Cotton Mather. In his letter, he employed the court to not allow any spectral evidence in the court, meaning dreams or visions, which I'm assuming is what Tituba was describing in her confession of having met the devil. Some kind of dream or something. Yeah. Yeah. The court, of course, ignored his request and five more people were found guilty and hung in the month of July. Oh my God. Then five more in August and eight in September. This sounds like some Handmaid's Tale shit. Well, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Also in September, remember our guy, Giles Corey? Yes, I miss him. What's he doing? Well, he finally gets his day in court on September 9th, 1692. Records from September 9th, 1692 contain a deposition from one of Corey's accusers, which said, quote, I saw the apparition of Giles Corey come and afflict me, urging me to write in his book. And so he continued most dreadfully to hurt me, by times beating me and almost breaking my back till the day of his examination being the 19th April, 1692. And then also, during the time of his examination, he did afflict and torture me most grievously and also several times since urging me vehemently to write in his book. And I verily believe in my heart that Giles Corey is a dreadful wizard for since he had been in prison, he or his appearance has come and most grievously tormented me. 
Why do I feel like Moira Rose said that? <laughs> oh, she could definitely read that. Do you want to read that in her voice? <laughs> Hold on, let me try. Hold on, I gotta, I gotta open it. Hold on. Oh, I'm nervous. Okay. I saw the apartition of Giles Corey come and afflict me, urging me to write his book. And so he continued most dreadfully to hurt me by times beating me and almost breaking my back till the day of his examination, being the 19th April. And then also during the time of his examination, he did afflict and torture me most grievously and several times since urging me vehemently to write his book. And I verily believe in my heart that Giles Corey is a dreadful wizard (laughs) for since he had been in prison or his appearance has come and most grievously tormented me. That was amazing. <laughs> I'm working on it. Tyranny is more of a rose, everybody. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> In the lee of a picture. No. <laughs> that was really great. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Is now a good time to interrupt you and let you know that this episode was brought to you in part by the Drifting Souls Boutique? Yeah. <laughs> All right. And cue the music. The Drifting Souls is a boutique that we love, and we think you guys will love them, too. They sell drinkware, t-shirts, sweatshirts, and other cool things that make the perfect gift for your friends, family, or honestly for yourself. I would always buy things for myself. The next thing I will be ordering from there is definitely going to be the tumbler that says, I can't be trusted at Target because... My addiction is really bad, you guys. It's really, really bad. Because you really can't be trusted at Target. (laughs) No, I really, really can't. (laughs) We love that the Drifting Souls is a women-run business. And to quote TCO, I just have to say, let the women do the work. Woo! (laughs) Every order is also custom printed just for you. So you know you're getting the highest quality product every single time. Head over to thedriftingsouls.com to shop and make sure to use our code DEADDRUNK for 20 off at checkout. You have until December 6th to order stuff for Christmas. I know it seems far away now, but I promise it isn't that far away. <laughs> it's going to be right around the corner. So <laughs> go to Drifting Souls. Use DEADDRUNK for 20% off. We love them. All right. Back to our regular scheduled programming. I wanted to do that in the Moira Rose voice, but I think they would appreciate <laughs> it, actually. I don't know. All right. Continue. So after that very compelling deposition, the court asked Giles Corey to enter a plea, but he refused, which meant that, according to the law at the time, he could not be tried. But they had a legal remedy for this situation, which was called something in French that I can't pronounce, so I'm just not going to I'm just not going to (laughs) plague you guys with that. But it stood for. Forceful and hard punishment. So this was a form of torture that was previously used in the common law legal system. Basically, the idea was if a defendant refused to plead or stood mute, as it were, they would then be subjected to having heavier and heavier stones placed on top of them until they entered a plea or died. No. Yeah, it feels like a great legal remedy to somebody not entering a plea, right? Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, of course. 
On September 17th, Giles Corey was subjected to this form of torture by Sheriff George Corwin. Corey was stripped naked and heavy boards of wood were placed across his body. Then they began piling stones on top of the boards. Corey remained true to his refusal to plead and even refused to cry out in pain as more and more stones were added to the boards. After spending two days under the stones, Corey was asked to enter a plea. But every time he was asked, he responded by saying, more weight. So they added more stones to the boards. Occasionally, Sheriff Corwin would even stand on the stones himself and again ask Corey to plead. Robert Califf, who witnessed the torture along with many other townsfolk, later recalled, quote, In the pressing, which is what they called the torture, they just called it pressing, Giles Corey's tongue was pressed out of his mouth. The sheriff, with his cane, forced it in again. <gasps> no. Yeah, if, if you want to see a very comedic portrayal of this horrible death, Drunk History does a really good one where, like, they do fake eyeballs popping out and, like, a big fake tongue. Um, but that's really what was happening is there was so much pressure on top of Corey that his eyes and his tongue were s- literally sticking out of his face. That is so awful. Yeah, it's a horrible way to go. And it doesn't make any sense to try and force somebody to plead. It's... It, it doesn't make any sense legally, but none of the Salem witch trials makes any sense logically. So it's, I guess it fits. There are varying reports of his last words. Some say Corey said more rocks or more weight, like he's been saying the whole time. And this is what you'll see in the dramatization of the, the pressing of Giles Corey in the crucible. However, there are other records that say that Corey's last words were damn you I curse you and Salem. The you being directed at Sheriff George Corwin. They deserve that, I think. Mm Mm-hmm. No matter what his last words were, though, they were uttered two days after the pressing began on September 19th, 1692. But interestingly, I learned in my research that it was unusual for people who were tortured by pressing to refuse to plead and extremely rare for people to remain this quiet throughout the painful death. Giles Corey's death is unique to New England, thankfully. There was only one case just as similar in England where Margaret Clitheroe refused to plead for the crime of of harboring priests, hearing mass, and secretly being Catholic. Three days after Giles Corey... Giles Corey's horrible pressing death, Corey's wife Martha was hanged. But something had changed in the town. The gruesome nature of her husband's public death had caused some of the people of Salem to rethink their support of the witch trials. I'm guessing they saw a man's tongue pop, tongue and eyes pop out of his face and were like, hmm, maybe we're not the good guys here. Yeah. It's crazy that it took them that long to figure that out, but... I know, it's been a whole year now. On October 3rd, my new favorite day. I literally wrote, pause here for Mean Girls (laughs) reference. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, on October 3rd, Increase Mather, then president of Harvard, of Harbor, (laughs) Then president of Harvard, and if you'll remember, son of Cotton Mather, the reverend from earlier, 
followed in his father's footsteps and publicly denounced the use of spectral evidence. Mather claimed, quote, it were better that 10 suspected witches should escape than one innocent person be condemned. Duh. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's crazy that it took this many months for him, for someone to say that. Yeah, we've started, we started in March in the spring and now we're in the fall. This is all one year, by the way. This time, Governor Phipps heard Mather's pleas, and since his own wife was currently being questioned for witchcraft, he made the decision to end the witch hunt. Again, it was fine with everybody until it personally affected them. Which is literally just like guns, coronavirus, everything today. Everyone is fine as long as they're not being affected. Yeah, this mindset still tracks today. It's still going on. On October 29th, Governor Phipps prohibited further arrests, released many of the accused witches, and dissolved the court of Oyer and Terminer. October, by the way. October 29th. What a magical month. Mm-hmm. It was replaced by the Superior Court of Judicature. Ju- Judicature. Jude. <laughs> It was replaced by another court, which did not permit the use of spectral evidence and only condemned three out of 56 defendants. Governor Phipps eventually pardoned all of the accused witches who were in prison by May of 1963. But by that time, the damage had already been done. 19 people were hanged on Gallow Hill. 71-year-old Giles Corey was pressed to death and several people died while they were in jail. Overall, nearly 200 people had been accused of practicing the devil's magic when in reality no one ever was so this is the myth busting i'm gonna do witches do exist but they do not get their powers by serving the devil before christianity was established in europe there were many other belief systems they were often known as nature religions because it was based around the phases of the moon or the cycles of the seasons the land and the animals that live there Different groups had their own gods and goddesses, and at first, Christianity was just another one of these belief systems. Then, it became linked with the rolling, not rolling, with the ruling force in Europe, and in order to maintain control over the population, they attempted to get rid of the other belief systems. According to Kate West's book, The Real Witch's Handbook, which I love and highly suggest, She says, quote, the gods of the nature religions now came to be called devils or demons, and their followers were accused of laying curses and practicing foul magic, which ruined crops, sickened cattle, and caused children to fall ill or die. Stories were invented or altered to discourage people, especially children, from seeking to learn more. The ruling forces even sent out special forces to eradicate the lands of these alleged evildoers. Special laws were introduced to make sure that the special agents going out to kill witches could get away with their crimes. Incentives were offered to encourage people to report their neighbors and friends of demonic activity. Mainly, if you reported your neighbor of witchcraft and they went to jail, you would get their land and money. So, that's a pretty big incentive. That's insane. Yeah. And I don't know how you would prove that. But if you wanted your neighbor's land, you can just claim witchcraft and get it. So this was what began the witch hunts in Europe. And this is where all of the lies and myths come from about witches. And this is all of the fear mongering stuff that spread to the colonies in America and stoked their fear and paranoia. In her book, 
Kate West dispels a bunch of myths surrounding witchcraft. And honestly, like I said before, it's just like a really good book. And I highly suggest it, especially if you're interested in witchcraft or if you're a baby witch like myself. Mm -hmm. Some of the myths were the typical ones like witches are in league with the devil and are the same as Satanists, which is not true. Or witches practice black magic, which is also not true. However, some of the myths are built on a grain of truth. And I thought that you guys would find this particularly interesting because the myth that witches fly on broomsticks comes from a little bit of truth. Oh, my God. No way. So it's not true that they would fly on broomsticks. But Wes notes that the idea of flying to meetings on a broom is derived from the use of flying ointments. These often poisonous ointments used to be made to heighten the senses, much in the way that some people today use drugs in a recreational manner. The effect of some of the ingredients of some of the ingredients was to give the illusion of flight. So basically they were poisoning themselves to the point of hallucination and sounds awesome. So (laughs) that's pretty cool. Yeah. It's like shrooms. (laughs) Yeah. But basing the like some myths on a shred of truth gives them credibility which just made it easier for the people to believe everything about witches but after the trials and executions many of the people involved publicly confessed error and guilt on january 14th 1697 the general court declared a day of fasting and soul searching for the tragedy of salem In 1702, the trials were declared unlawful, and in 1711, the colony passed a bill that restored the rights and good names of those accused, including Giles Corey. Yay! They also granted each of their heirs 600 pounds in restitution. However, it wasn't until 1957, almost 250 years after the Salem Witch Trials, that Massachusetts formally apologized for the events of 1692. You know what? At least they apologized. I feel like a lot of people don't even fucking apologize. Yeah, I mean, at that at the point that they apologized, they had already kind of started making up for it. So back to our guy, Giles Corey. Due to the fact that he did not plead before his death, the government of Salem didn't have any claim to his property, which meant it instead went to his heirs. Despite this fact, Sheriff Corwin still tried to extort money from his heirs after his death. In 1710, Corey's daughter Elizabeth and her husband filed a lawsuit seeking damages from Corwin. Her statement to the court read, quote, After our father's death, the sheriff threatened to seize our father's estate, and for fear of that, we complied with him and paid him 11 pounds 6 shillings in money. That's crazy. Yeah. According to a local legend... The ghost of Giles Corey walks his graveyard each time a disaster is about to hit the town. It's said that his ghost was seen the night before the Great Salem Fire of 1914. More notably, however, and this is the part that I thought everybody's going to get a kick out of because we hate Sheriff George Corwin. The position of Sheriff of Essex County is now said to be plagued by the curse of Giles Corey. Ha 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 ha. Yes. In 1696, Sheriff George Corwin died of a heart attack. And everyone who has held the position of sheriff since has either died or resigned as a result of a heart or blood condition. Oh, my God. That's crazy. I know. That's my favorite thing. Imagine being asked to plead to witchcraft, being pressed to death, and then in your last seconds... 
cursing an entire <laughs> line of sheriffs with your fucking yeah. witchcraft. <laughs> That's amazing. That's a boss move. Yeah. However, it's said that the curse was broken when the sheriff's office moved from Salem to Middleton in 1991. So they figured out a way around it, but he got those sheriffs for a while. (laughs) To perfectly wrap up the story of the Salem witch trials, I'll again quote the high priestess Kate West, who wrote, quote, Everything nasty and frightening has been or is attributed to witches and witchcraft. People have a tendency to group together the same age-old fears whenever they are trying to put down the beliefs of others, especially when their own beliefs can become linked to the control of other people. Or... In the words of Michael Scott, people hate people who are different from them. But you know what makes people forget their differences? A good show. And that's what they got in the pressing of Giles Corey. And that's what ended the witch trials of Salem. (laughs) I love that. Thanks. I really think it is. I mean, if they hadn't done overkill with Giles Corey, they probably would have just kept going until the whole town was murdered. So that's our story. If you want to come talk to me about witches and witchcraft, you can email us at deaddrunkpod at gmail.com. Or you can come talk to us about it on Facebook at Dead Drunk, <laughs> Dead Drunk a True Crime Podcast and Dead Drunk Discussions. Yeah, I'd love to talk witchy, spooky stuff with you guys in the discussions. We could do that. If you make this drink, which I think that you should, share it with us on Instagram at Dead Drunk Crime. And even on our Twitter at Dead Drunk Crime. Don't forget that we still have a Patreon and we're still covering Israel Keys. We are diving deep into his travel history and all that stuff. And you can find that at uh, <laughs> patreon.com slash dead drunk. <laughs> and we'll do some more things on Patreon. I know. Forgive us. We're going to we're gonna try give and us, put out more. Give us some ideas of what to do besides Israel Keys. Yeah. What should we cover next? Should we go deeper into a different serial killer should we watch true crime docs should we just talk about spooky stuff i any of that sounds good to me honestly Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. also we have merchandise we have it uh it'll be linked in our show notes and tyranny's making cool stuff now so there's even more stuff that you can get yeah, there's even more stuff that you can get. Um, I'm, I don't know if it's on the store, but, you know, if you want it, Tyranny has it. Tyranny will make it. Yeah, but we'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll it's figure something soon. out. So stay tuned. And as usual, all of these links will be included with the sources on our blog post, which will be on our website at deaddrunkpodcast.com. Um, yeah. Also, we're still accepting scary stories. Send us all your scary stories. We love them. Yeah. I don't care if it's not October anymore. We'll still read them. Yeah, honestly, I'll read them year round. I just love them so much. I'm Kat, the host of Haunting History Podcast, the podcast that reaches back into the past to the stories and headlines that still haunt us today. Approximately 76.2% of abducted children who are murdered are dead within the first three hours of their abduction. In so many of these cases, someone saw something suspected something or knew something and never reported it. On June 26, 1980, Carrie Patterson, a friendly and outgoing 15-year-old, left her home in Fullerton, California to meet up with some friends. She never returned. 
Six months later, her skull and portions of her remains were found in an oil field in Tonner Canyon, kicking off what would become a four-decade mystery, leaving her family heartbroken, a passionate cold case investigator without answers, and a newspaper reporter without an ending. Join us on November 4th as we talk to her family, the cold case investigator from the Orange County Sheriff's Department, and others still searching for who killed Carrie Patterson. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Haunting History Podcast, and subscribe wherever you listen. Our cold case series starts November 4th. Yeah. Oh, I, for some reason, I just love giving you options for chasers. So I do have a witch quiz, a witchcraft history quiz, which will probably kind of just quiz you on what I just talked about. Or a what kind of witch are you quiz? That one? <laughs> okay. Yes. <laughs> I love personality quizzes. <laughs> Me too. And this one actually gives you varying types of witches at the end. It doesn't. Oh my God. Yeah. I love that. Okay. All right. Question one. How are you most likely spending your free time? Baking? Going for a walk? Making a wish list? Reading a book? We're meeting up with some friends. Um, none of the above. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess meeting up with some friends, but like COVID has made it not. So maybe reading a book. Okay. I mean, I read a lot of true crime research. I count that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I need to read more. Me too. You need to do Cuckoo's Calling because... I know. That I just feel like there's not enough time in the day. I'm telling you, do them on Audible. They're so good. <laughs> and the guy that reads them... Not sponsored by Audible. Not sponsored by Audible. But if Audible would like to sponsor sponsored us... by the Drifting Souls. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Question two. And harm ye none do what that wilt. That's the Wiccan read. Um, it basically means do no harm to others. Do whatever you want, but don't harm yeah. others. Love and that. the question is, should magic ever be used to cause harm? Absolutely not. Free will is our right. In the magical spectrum, no harm must be dealt. The goddess has decreed it so. Well, not intentionally. You can't see the bug before it splatters on your windshield. That one's pretty good. Sometimes you've got to break a few eggs to make a good omelet. And the last answer is, if it is, they had it coming. <laughs> oh, I want to say the last one just so I can say this. They had it coming. <laughs> they had it coming. That's immediately what I thought of when I read it. <laughs> All right. We'll kick that answer. <laughs> All right, so what does your ideal non-COVID night out look like? Rocking okay. out at a concert, having dinner at a nice restaurant, attending a meditation class, going camping, or learning a new skill. Oh my god. Um recently I would say learning a new skill. I've been learning new skills. That's a good one. <laughs> and you really have. I mean you're making cool shit. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. COVID's just giving you new business ideas. So Heck question yeah. four. I said so again at the beginning of that. It is just an issue for me. So? I think the way that we're going to break me of that is if I say so, just you say buttons. 
Just like bug the shit out of me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> my buttons, my buttons, my four groovy buttons. Have you ever heard no. that song? It's Pete the Cat. No. It's Pete the Cat. And he keeps losing buttons. And then it's like, my buttons, my buttons, my three groovy buttons. And it's like, oh, no, one of them popped off. Did I cry? Goodness, no. I just kept on singing my song. And then finally gets down to his last button and it pops off. And he, like, opens his coat because it's not, like, held together by the buttons anymore. And he looks down and he's like, my button, my button, still got my belly button. (laughs) (laughs) And I, (laughs) we make our kids listen to it every day. (laughs) It's so funny. Oh, God. I have my belly button. (laughs) Button. My button. It's nice to know what the kids are into these days. So, (laughs) oh, yeah. (laughs) Question four. Given a paper cup, plastic knife, and packet of salt, could you work magic anywhere? No, magical regalia has to be consecrated items crafted and attuned to me alone. In a pinch, I guess, but I wouldn't be comfortable with it. Sure, why not? The magic is in the witch, not the material objects. Heck, I don't even need those. Harry Potter wouldn't need those, so I'm going to say I wouldn't need those. Okay. Although, Harry Potter didn't do much of shit of anything. Hermione was really the one. That's true. That's true. That's true. I have no idea how he became an Auror. I mean, that's... You have to know more than Expelliarmus to become an Auror. Like, did they just give him the job after he accidentally defeated Voldemort? Like, that's ridiculous. (laughs) Imagine getting a job because you're the luckiest kid in all of (laughs) the wizarding world. (laughs) I know, seriously. Question five. What's your idea of the perfect date? A picnic? Stargazing? A simple meal at home, just the two of us? Enrolling in a cooking workshop together? Or a double date with my bestie? A double date with my bestie! (laughs) I would like that too. Which element do you feel most connected to? Air, water, fire, or earth? Fire. Fire. Okay. That does make sense. I'm an Aries. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. What's your dream job? Being a spiritual healer, working at an animal rescue center, anything that lets me work from home, an actor or singer, or a chef? I'm going to go with anything that lets me work from home. <laughs> That's for me. I was torn between working at an animal rescue center and anything that lets me work from home. Like if, if yeah. the two of those could combine, <laughs> that would be perfect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So for this question, a book of shadows is like a workbook of like what you've done. It's like a journal keeping track of what you've done with the craft. <clears throat> so your book of shadows is. Bound in ritually cleansed goat hide, penned by hand in consecrated handmade inks on organic vellum pages. A journal I made myself, like a scrapbook. I could certainly use it to... It could certainly use a tidying up, though. Several three-ring binders of printed notes and pages I've been collecting for years. Or isn't there an app for that? It'd certainly be a lot easier on my tablet. That one. That one. 
Yes. Yeah, I have like four or five different notebooks that I pick up periodically. I use my uh, my iPad for everything now. That's fair. It's right there. Yeah. Question nine. If anyone deserves a vacation, it's you. Which getaway would you love to escape to? <laughs> Working directly with communities that need charity. How is that a vacation? Absolutely <laughs> fucking sorry. Like that sounds nice to do. I'm a community that needs help. It sounds nice to do, but I don't think it will qualify as a vacation. No. <laughs> anyway, your other choices are <laughs> a spiritually cleansing getaway in India, an action filled no. extreme sports destination. That was a no. lot of S's for my lisp. <laughs> Wine tasting week in France. Yes. Oh, nope. <laughs> so, sorry. I was with you for a wine, and then you went and said France. A yoga retreat. Absolutely fucking not. I don't want to go to any- What kind of vacation is this? France doesn't have to be Paris. You can be in, like, a yeah, better yeah, part yeah. of France. I'll be in, like, the wine country of France. Yeah. Like, where Monet's garden is. My brain just made and you... And I can pretend to be... I can pretend to be Lafayette from. You can pretend to be Belle, but I didn't come up with a Belle song. My That's my true, true. the song that I made up was Ariel going like, "I want to be where the selfie sticks aren't." I wanna be <laughs> <laughs> if you don't know, Tierney true. was in a horrifying terrorist accident with a selfie stick in Paris. <laughs> Pray for Versailles. <laughs> Question ten. If you could eat one food for the rest of your life, which would it be? Your choices are pepperoni, cheese, mushroom, sausage. Cheese. Yes, obviously that's the correct choice. Like this isn't an op- that isn't an opinion question. <laughs> that would be my question or my answer for <clears throat> even if that wasn't an answer, I think that would be my answer. Cheese. I love cheese. Question 11. What scares you most? Death? Creepy crawly bugs, darkness, loneliness, or not living up to expectations. Ooh, that got real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably that one. The last one? <laughs> yeah. Question 12. Death is pretty final, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean, everything else was pretty much just a part of life. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the last one was like, oof, devastating. <laughs> <laughs> All right, 12, what's your favorite holiday? I am going to tell you right now because it aggravated the crap out of me when I took it yesterday. Halloween isn't a choice. What the hell? I know. But that's the right answer. I know. The choices are Christmas, New Year's, Thanksgiving, or 4th of July. What the fuck? I guess Christmas. Really? Okay. I would have picked New Year's or Thanksgiving, but I love... Um I don't love Thanksgiving food. I know it's a hot take, but I would rather eat other meals. Um, and last New Year's, I got the stomach flu. So that's in my mind. So you have some problems with New Year's right now? Yeah. So, and 4th of July, fireworks are loud. They make my cat hide under the bed. And it makes me Yeah, bad. 4th of July just sucks. That's stupid. So I don't want to celebrate America right now. Are you ready for your answer? I'm ready. You're a coven witch. 
Coven witches enjoy the company of others and don't mind being in a crowd of people. The complete opposite from a solitary witch, you prefer casting spells with other witches, are extremely sociable, and always have the energy to practice magic. I don't know about always having the energy because I feel like I'm falling asleep right now, but I agree with the sociable part. I don't like to be mm-hmm. alone. <laughs> yeah, I think it, it pretty much pretty much get you i think this was the first answer i got and i was like (laughs) (laughs) bit of a nasty shock for him when he found out (laughs) why would that be a nasty shock i think that's so cool yeah (laughs) also do you know what i learned while we're on the topic of harry potter somewhat did you know that the actress that played petunia the actress that played Petunia Dursley, she came out as a lesbian, and then a few years later, her ex-husband came out as gay. Oh my god. Okay. Work. <laughs> Get it! <laughs> Love that. And that's our fun feek for... The fun feek for the whacked. <laughs> <laughs> fun feek for the whacked. That about sums it up, I think. West bishes! <laughs> Rarmist Wagards. <laughs> <laughs> oh, COVID's got me going insane.